Praise God. To give to Him. To demonstrate our love for Him tonight. Praise God. As we call out to God tonight for our service, let's also remember uh, there are those that are sick tonight. Uh, Brother and Sister DeBooth, please remember them. Uh, Sister... uh, Bob's mother is uh, is in the hospital right now, and uh, she is uh, sister. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bob's sister. Thank you. Is in the hospital right now, and uh, if God doesn't do something, she's she's gone. Uh, she has no brain activity at this point. She's on a ventilator, and uh, they're just keeping her alive long enough for the the family to decide what they want to do. And so, uh, let's please remember her in prayer tonight. Amen. And for each of us, that God would minister here according to our desperate need and according to His perfect will. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. You are a glorious Savior. I am so thankful for You, for Your so great salvation, for Your mercy and Your grace. Hallelujah, Jesus. Our faith, our hope, our trust, our confidence is in the Lord our God tonight because You are our strong tower. You are our, our shield and our buckler. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are our ever-present help in time of need. Thank You, Jesus, for Your faithfulness to us and to Your Word. The covenant promises that You've given us tonight, we stand on. Thank You, Lord, for all that You have in store for us tonight. Let Your perfect will be accomplished here. Minister to Brother and Sister DeMuth, to Marjorie, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would touch them tonight, that you would give them a perfect, a complete, a miraculous healing. Let all know, demonstrate once again, that you still intervened in the affairs of men. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, that you have all power and you have all authority. Thank you, Jesus, for the ministration of your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you hear and answer our cries that you meet our every need. Thank you, Jesus. Let your name be glorified in our midst here tonight. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship and we praise you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated tonight. Amen. Tonight, we're going to be speaking on the topic of you first. You first. Matthew 7 and 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Amen. I can't remember if I've related this story or not, so... If I have, just smile and laugh at the appropriate time, and we'll just move on. When I was growing up uh, with my younger brother, he was a very, uh, he was an adventurous sort, and he would invent things. We were on a a small hobby farm 
about a half hour from town, and we had no neighbors to speak of, certainly no one our age. And so we kind of, on the little 40-acre lot that we had, we had to fend for ourselves. And we did, and we had a good time doing it. There were a lot of woods to, to explore, some fields, you know, some hills. Uh, it was great. But my brother, he was always inventing things. He would invent things they would hardly ever work, but we had a good time anyway. And as we grew up, he invented more elaborate things, and it was always my job to test them out. Because I was the oldest, I was the heaviest, and so if it would work on me, our logic uh, at the time, it worked on everyone else. So he would, he would make these great big swings, and he, we would, uh, one time he, we, he stretched uh, uh, some cable, some telephone wire, across a hill. You know, there was a hill, and then it kind of went down, and this was our driveway, and then it would drop down into a, it was kind of built into the side of the hill. And so there's a tree up here and a big tree over here. And he'd tie it over here and then he'd shimmy up and tie it off on there. So we had this kind of a thing going across the driveway. And, of course, now I have to test it out, which I was very happy to do. This was before, I, I think this is one of the first times we were testing these. I learned fast enough not to do this anymore. Because exactly halfway across it broke. And I fell on my back onto the driveway. It was, it was a good 15 or so feet high. And uh, thank God nothing happened except the wind got knocked out of me and a little bit more sense got knocked into me. And so uh, that wasn't the first time that was... There was another one, a swing, that <laughs> made out of an old army belt. Not the, not the clicky kind, but the, the old metal clasp one from my dad. And somehow, it unlatched way up here. Not down, you know, where the weight would come onto it, but it unlatched here. So when I started coming down, I just came straight down. And I fell into a brush pile. And, you know, as I was falling, you know... Time slows, and I'm able to see and think things and what I could have done with my life if I were to live because all of these big, sharp sticks were pointing right at me. And I fell in, and again, thank God, nothing happened. I got some scratches, and <laughs> I got out, thankful to be alive. My brother was, Laughing, you looked like a Muppet when you fell into that. And I, I, I completely lost it at that point. I chased him. I was so furious with him. But he was faster than me. And I, I never did catch him. Anyway, the play's still running. <laughs> the point is, he would build these things, and then after he built them, my job was to test him out. So after he built him, I got to go first. For better or for worse. Always for worse. 
when we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ, there are some things that are required of us. There are some things that we have to give. There are some things that we have to do. And he requires our firsts. When he asks something of us, he's not asking for the dregs. He's not asking for those things that we were just going to throw away anyway. He wants the very best. He wants the firsts. In Exodus 22 and 29, it says, Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits and of thy liquors. The firstborn of thy sons shalt thou give unto me. Liquors, of course, is not Jack Daniels. It is uh, olive oil, grape juice, etc. <clears throat> so he's, he's telling, he's commanding the, the children of Israel, he wants the firsts. In Exodus 13, verses 12 through 15, he says, That thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that open the matrix. And every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast, the males shall be the Lord's. And every firstling of a donkey thou shalt redeem with a lamb, and if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. And all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. And it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this? That thou shalt say unto him, By strength of hand the Lord brought us out from Egypt from the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. So again, the Lord is requiring our firsts. When any, the firstborn of, of anything is the Lord's. He requires it of his people. Okay, Numbers chapter 15, verse 20 says, Ye shall offer up a cake of the first of your dough for an heave offering. As ye do the heave offering of the threshing floor, so shall ye heave it. So even in this, he's wanting the first. Not what's left. Not if I can afford it after all my expenses are, are paid. He wants the first. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He's asking his people today to set aside our own desires, our own hopes and dreams, our own plans for the future. And instead, Subjugate those to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to lay that on the altar of God. To give those to Him. Matthew 20 and 16 says, So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. Again, if we will set ourselves aside, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ in verity and in truth. He will promote us in His kingdom. But if we try to promote ourselves, if we try to follow our own plan, our own desires, our own hopes and dreams, we will not prosper. Not in the kingdom of God. The firsts are very important to God. 
We're not just talking finances tonight either, although we are talking finances, but not just those. The first of our time. We need to give the first of our time to seek God. Exodus 40 and 2 says, On the first day of the first month shalt thou set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. Amen. To set our hearts to seek the Lord early. That just doesn't mean during the day, but that means early in our lives. As soon as we are able, we need to set our hearts to seek God, to serve Him, to obey God. Ezra 7 and 9 says, For upon the first day of the month began he to go up from Babylon, and on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem, according to the good hand of his God upon him. And more directly, in Genesis 22, verses 1 through 3, we read the account of Abraham. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Abraham rose up early in the morning to obey the command of God, a command he most certainly did not wish to fulfill, a command that unless he heard from God, he'd have never done it. He never would have. This was not the plan of Abraham. This was not his desire. It was not his will. But he understood the command of God, and he didn't shirk. He didn't make excuses. He didn't delay. He rose up early in the morning to fulfill the will of God. As also we must do. When God tells us to do something, don't make excuses. Don't delay. Don't find a way to, to put it off for a little while longer. But do it early. Accomplish it quickly. It is the plan of God for you. Therefore, it is the best for you. We must spend our time early to consecrate ourselves to God. Ezra 10 and 17 said, And they made an end with all the men that had taken strange wives by the first day of the first month. And Ezekiel 45 and 18 says, Thus saith the Lord God in the first month, in the first day of the month, thou shalt take a young bullock without blemish and cleanse the sanctuary. Amen. So it seems to me like the Lord has this thing about the first day and the first month. He sets these, these, these days, these, these periods of time apart for special things, for obedience, for consecration, demonstrating to us, I believe, that he wants us to accomplish these early. Not at the end of the month. Not on the seventh day of the month. But right now. Today. Early. When we understand the plan of God for our lives. When God tells us to do something. We hear something over the pulpit. We read something in his word. He speaks to us in prayer. He's doing that for a reason. 
And it's not expected that we're going to weigh everything out and determine when the best time is to do this, the best way to do this. That's not our purview. That's not our, we don't have the authority to do that. We are His servants. We serve Him. I hope that's all right with everybody. Because it's the truth. He is not our servant. He doesn't do what we tell Him to do. We do what He tells us to do. And we don't weigh out when the best time is, or what, how the, the best way is to accomplish it. We follow the instructions given. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to plan everything out. We don't have to make sure everything's in order. God already knows all of that. All we have to do is move forward in the plan of God. All we have to do is accomplish His will. When we hear the voice of God, let's accomplish it early. Early. God wants our best offering. Leviticus 9 and 3 says, Unto the children of Israel thou shalt speak, saying, Take ye a kid of the goats for a sin offering, and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year, without blemish, for a burnt offering. Leviticus 12 and 6 says, When the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest. Leviticus 23 and 12 says, And ye shall offer that day when ye wave the sheave and he lamb without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering unto the Lord. What's so significant about a lamb, a goat, a, a, a cow of the first year? What's so significant about that? At one year old, the animal is old enough to be fully grown, but not old enough to consume more resources than it's been given. The yearling represents a year of hard work and investment. In other words, as we've already stated, God is saying, don't give me something that you're just going to throw away anyway. I want the best. Don't give me an offering. Don't give me an animal you were going to kill anyway. They weren't going to kill the, the yearling. They were going to let that grow a little while longer. We also need to understand that God is first. Isaiah 44 and 6 says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Revelation 1 and 17 says, When I saw Him, I fell at His feet as dead. And He laid His right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Objectively, whether you believe it or not, whether you want it to be true or not, God is first. He is the highest. He is the greatest. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, the end. That's who He is. Whether you believe in God or not, whether you want it to be true or not, objectively, it is true. It will always be true. He doesn't need us to confirm that. He would like it to come from our lips. But he doesn't need it. 
He doesn't need it for he doesn't need us to speak it to be true. It's true no matter what. Have a care who you place first in your lives. It will be required of us. If God is first in our lives, well, but if anyone or anything else is first, that will be required of us. That is idolatry. We don't want to be idolaters. We would never think of ourselves as idolaters. We're Christians. We serve Jesus Christ. Do we? Do we always serve Jesus Christ? Do we serve Him in here? Do we serve Him with our time? Do we serve Him with our resources? Or every once in a while, do we serve ourselves? We need to be careful as the people of God that our affections don't stray. Because our affections stray very easily. Our affections need to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. Our attention, our focus needs to be on Him. Our service needs to be in His name. That's who we are as the people of God. And in this day and age, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back so very soon. Again, I don't think any of us believe that He's coming back in the next five minutes. But He is most certainly coming back very quickly. And it will be in a time that we least expect it. There are people who profess to be Christians that play around with this. They want to straddle the fence between the church and the world. They want to get as close as they can. God has to be first in our lives. If God is not first in our lives, something or someone else is. That's who we worship as God. That's who we serve with our lives. The uh, the longer I live for God and the more I study Scripture, I certainly don't claim to know as much as, as some. But the more I learn, the more God reveals to me, the more I see that this walk with God is really, at its core, very simple. It's not complicated. It's not it's not something you need to, to be a theologian in and understand the original Greek and Hebrew. I think that'd be awesome uh, to understand the original Greek and Hebrew. Uh, but you don't need to to see what the, what the core of Christianity is. It's not complicated. And that's both good and bad. Because 
the more we complicate things, the, the more wiggle room we have. The more exceptions that we can make. But if it stays simple, then it, it really boils down to just a couple of choices. A couple of different options. Am I going to serve Jesus or no? Pretty simple. But everlasting consequences. Am I going to believe Jesus or am I going to believe someone or something else? It's a simple choice. But it has consequences. These simple choices, they encompass a lot of different scenarios. A lot of different things. So we've got to realize, this isn't complicated. We're saved or we're not. Jesus is telling the truth or He's not. He's God or He's not. If He is God... If He is telling us the truth, if He is our Savior, then we've got to do something with that. We can't take it lightly. If all of that's true, then we've got to be all in. We've got to go all the way with it. If we're going to be Christ-like, then let's be Christ-like. Let's stop making excuses for our actions. Let's stop making excuses for our weakness. Yes, we are flesh. We are weak. Absolutely. But in Jesus Christ, we can be strong. We must be strong through Jesus Christ. He has made us that way. He has created us that way. We are strong through Him. We are mighty through God. So let's live like that. Let's act like that. Let's start buying into this. It's not complicated. It's easy. It's an easy choice. Or maybe I should say a simple choice. Maybe not easy. But most certainly worth it. The first commandment. Mark 12:29 and 30 says, Jesus answered him, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Okay, there's two parts to this. We've got to understand who God is. Our understanding of God is very important, church. Now, are we going to understand the totality of who God is? No, not on this side. He's an infinite God. And I don't believe He's revealed all of Himself to us. But the, the things that He has revealed, they are ours. They are ours to do something with. Ours to understand. And we need to understand Him properly. We need to know who He is as He has revealed Himself to us. 
We understand that he's not a trinity. He is one God. We understand that he's not an ogre. He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. We also understand he's a God of justice. And a God of holiness and righteousness. We can't leave any of this out. Our understanding has to, has to include everything that he's revealed to us. He revealed it for a reason. Because he wants us to know. And he wants us to act on that knowledge. We've got to act on the knowledge of who God is. We need to understand who he is. The second thing he's commanding here is that we've got to love the Lord that we have come to know with everything. We are commanded to love the Lord our God. How can you command someone to love something? Because love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. It's an act of the will. It's demonstrated by our actions, by our choices. You're not always going to feel like worshiping God. You're not always going to feel like praying or praising God. But you do it anyway. And that act itself demonstrates our love for Him. We are pleasing the Lord our God with our obedient faith. We are pleasing Him by doing those things that please Him. We have got to love Him with everything in us. We've got to trust Him with everything in us. The closer we draw to Jesus Christ, the more we're going to trust Him. You're not going to trust someone you don't have a relationship with. You're not going to. And when I say trust, of course, it's always easy to trust someone that you agree with. It's always easy to trust someone that you can always say yes to. Submission is kind of the same way. Easy to submit to someone when you're agreeing with them all the time. But when you don't agree, can you still submit? When you don't agree, can you still trust them? When it seems like God is ready to kill you, can you trust Him? When it seems like God is taking everything away, when it seems like the more and the harder you live for God, the harder it gets, can you trust Him then? Can you trust Him when the price becomes just a little bit too much? Can you trust Him then? Can you love God? When it seems like he's a million miles away. That's what he's asking. Again, this is a very simple thing. There's no qualifiers here. There's no exceptions being made. We could love God with everything in us because God has already offered his firsts to us. Matthew 27, verses 50 through 54 says this. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the, te- the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept 
arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Jesus, the Almighty God wrapped in flesh, hung on a cross, suffered greatly, and died. He did that willingly. He did it willingly. There was no other... There was no power on earth that could force Him onto that cross. There's no power in all of creation that could have put Him on there against His will. He chose to be there. He placed Himself on the cross. And He did that for you. And He did that for me. He gave everything to me. Everything. If I understood what heaven was, if I understood the environment that he came down from to this, I'd probably say that would have been enough. That would have been a a sacrifice right there. Coming down into this mud pit from glory. I, uh... (laughs) I've kind of half-joked, half-not-joked with people and told them that if I'm dead and you pray me back alive, I'm going to punch you right in the throat. I don't know if I would. Hopefully I won't remember anything about what heaven was. But I can't imagine that seeing heaven... Anyone would want to come back here. I just can't imagine that. But Jesus, God, volunteered to do that. He stepped down voluntarily from his throne, wrapped himself in this, so he could feel pain and hunger and disappointment, so he could cry and weep and feel need. So he could be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He chose to do that. Luke 24, 1 through 8 says this. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. They entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. So he not only suffered on a cross and died, but he picked his life back up again. And he was resurrected. See, that's the difference. That's the difference between our worldview and every other worldview out there. Between the biblical Christian 
perspective and every other philosophy in the world is because ours has power. Ours has authority. Ours has power to save, to heal, to deliver. No other philosophy, no other religion can do that. There's all kinds of other reasons. We've mentioned most of them in in earlier messages. But a relationship with Jesus Christ is different than everything else. Jesus suffered on a cross and died, but he also rose from the dead on the third day and is alive forevermore. He conquered every enemy. He conquered sin, death, and all the power of the grave. Jesus gave everything to us. He gave his firsts already. So when God asks something of us, as far as I'm concerned, that's quite all right. That's quite okay. He's already given everything. We're next. Deuteronomy 11, verses 13 through 15 says this. I use this as an example. It shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in its due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Most every one of God's promises is given to us in this exact same format. If you will dot, 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 then I will, dot, dot, dot. God's already done his part. He's already already moved. He is the prime mover of this universe. He always initiates. When he's asking us to do something, he's not asking us to go first. These promises, if you will, then I will. Well, he he wants me to go first, and then he's going to move. Not really. See, God already moved. God already did all kinds of things for us. Now he's asking something of us. But he's no man's debtor. So when we do something in obedience, he rewards that. Because he's awesome. God's already done his part. He's waiting on us to move next. We're next. God did his part. He has moved. Now he's waiting on us. God has bound himself to his body, the church, you and me. Before God moves, we must. We've got to move. If we want something to happen, if we want a mighty move of God, and we do, We're expecting great things of God. Absolutely we are. I hope we are. He's an awesome God. We ought to expect awesome things of Him. Don't expect little things. Don't insult Him. Expect things too high for you. Expect things so big they seem crazy. 
Let's get a stupid faith. A crazy, ridiculous faith. Because He's infinite. He can do anything. Anything. All things are possible through Him. There is nothing impossible for God. I can say that a few different ways, but it amounts to the same thing. God can do anything we need, anything we desire. Whatever He tells us to do, we can do through Him. I don't care if you feel like you're qualified or not. I don't care if you have the skill set. I don't care if you have the talents or the abilities. It doesn't matter. You've heard the old saying, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. If you're available, if you're submitted to Him, that's all He needs. That's all He needs from us. He can take it from there through you. Through you. But He needs us to be available. He's going to do this through us. Everything that God does, He does through men and women. Everything. When Jesus was here on the earth, during His earthly ministry, He did it. But when he, when he rose up into heaven and He poured the gift of the Holy Ghost down on the upper room, He started working through them now. Through Spirit-filled believers. Through Christians. Those who are Christ-like. But we can't just sit back and wait. We can't just sit back and expect that God is going to take care of it. Maybe He will. We see examples in Scripture. I think of Jehoshaphat. He didn't even have to fight. He had to be arrayed for battle. But he didn't even have to go out there. God just took care of it. God can do that. But mostly... He's going to move when we do. God wants to move. It's God's desire to move. It's His plan to move. He wants to save this county. Does anyone believe that? He died for this county. He died for all of us. Absolutely He did. There are so many, you know, there are, there are reasons people have for not moving forward in God. They're scared. They don't feel like they're the right person for the job. They don't feel worthy. They don't feel like, uh, God could use them that way. And there are other reasons.
Moving into a new area in any capacity is always a little bit disconcerting. It's always a little bit unnerving. You start a new job, it's never really fun being the new guy because you're the one that doesn't know anything. And if you're like me, you feel kind of like a lump. I'm a deficit right now. I'm sucking resources from the company until I can learn enough to start producing. <clears throat> so when we move into a new area with God, we move into a, a new ministry or a new uh, a level of, of revelation or uh, ministry or, or service to the Lord, it can be scary because now we're doing things that we never did before. We're talking to people, we're teaching Bible studies, we're... Uh, God is using us maybe in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, he's speaking to us in prayer. He's, he's speaking to us in His Word. Whatever it might be. That is okay. That is good. It's okay to grow in God. It's okay to start doing more for God. We become more responsible. We become responsible for more people as we grow in God. God opens up new avenues to minister. New opportunities to declare His name. God might use you more mightily in prayer. God might speak to you to pray with someone. God might give you a word for someone. And that that scares some people. What if that's just me? What if I tell them and it's wrong? What if I pray for them and nothing happens? All of those thoughts immediately come to your mind. But God is moving all of us into new areas of ministry. God is moving all of us into a higher relationship with Him. If we are going to do this at all, if we are going to live for God at all, then let's do it all the way. Let's get all in with Jesus Christ. Let's not play around. I don't know if any of you are playing around or not, but if you are, this is for you. Stop. Stop playing around. Take this very seriously. This has everlasting consequences, not just for us, but for our children, for our, our loved ones, those that we come into contact with. We're not perfect. We are so not perfect. But Jesus Christ is perfect. And He is the answer. He's the answer we need. He's the answer everyone needs. And the more effective we can become in presenting Jesus to someone, the more effective we'll be in reaching someone. But to move forward in God, God will require a few things from us to be effectively used by Him. And it's not much. Our complete submission, our bodies, our lives, everything we have. Easy. Let's go into those more in depth. I said earlier that this is this is a very simple 
thing, living for God is very simple. And so when I speak about these things, there's a lot of all or nothing in Christianity. We don't like that. We like options. We like a little bit of flexibility. Sometimes God doesn't give us a whole lot of options. That's all right, too. God requires our complete submission. If you love me, keep my commandments. We are required to keep his commandments. We don't get to pick and choose which commandments we keep. We don't get to pick and choose which parts of the Bible that we believe. It's all of it, or it's none of it. Very simple. Very easy. We need to follow Christ's example when he said, Not my will, but thy will be done. We have a will. Most certainly we do. And it's not God's desire to crush it or to destroy it. But for us to willingly subjugate that will to him. To willingly bend the knee to Jesus Christ and let him be God Let Him be Lord of our lives instead of us. He requires our bodies. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. These bodies are not ours. They're God's. And whatever he wants to do with this body, that's, that's for him to decide. That's for him to go ahead and do. And that's fine. I'm not taking this body with me anyway. Our lives. I like Paul's attitude toward this. Acts 21 and 13, Paul is speaking. What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus, for his sake. He wasn't suicidal, but he was willing to die in service to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in 2 Timothy 4 6, he declares this For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. He was ready to go. If it was God's will, he wasn't going to off himself. But if it was God's time, fantastic. He also declared in Philippians, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. When I first understood that verse, that hit me really hard. And I chewed on that for a long time. It's like he's, which one do I want to do? I'm not sure. Our lives are not so precious, church, that they should be purchased at the expense of our service to Jesus. Human life is precious, but not so precious 
that we need to save our lives at the expense of everything else. If it's time for us to go, it's time for us to go. And that's okay. He's in charge. He knows best. Poor John the Baptist was at the height of his ministry when he was thrown in prison. He had at least a few good years left. He could have done a lot of good. But it was time. It was time for him to decrease and for Jesus to increase. Jesus requires everything we have. Why? Because he gave us everything he has. That's quite the trade. You can check the books if you want, but that's quite the trade. Everything Jesus has for everything I have. Deal. Absolutely. In conclusion, God desires to be first in our lives. God worked first. He worked first. He initiated all of this. His desire is to continue His work here on earth, but He's bound Himself to you and me. He's waiting on us to take action. God is going to use someone. Who will that be? Will it be you? It's certainly God's desire to use every person here. Every person here is necessary in the kingdom of God. I can't stress that enough. I can't stress enough how important each person is to this church, to God's kingdom. It does take all of God's people to do all of God's work. God created you for a purpose. Just the very fact that you exist means that you're important. Because God doesn't create junk and He doesn't do anything by accident. You're not leftover material that He had to do something with. He created you for a very specific reason. With purpose, with love, with design, with a future. And He expects you to fulfill that. He's given you everything you need to fulfill that. Amen. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, you are an awesome God. You are a mighty King. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you initiated all of this. You created us. You suffered on a cross and died when we erred, when we strayed, when we rebelled against you. You purchased us back. Now it is your desire to work through us, your perfect will, to work through us to establish your kingdom here on earth, to work through your people, to minister to those who are hurting, those who are lost, those who are wounded to lead them to a place of repentance unto salvation. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. 
I pray that you'd help us to buy it. Help us to believe it. Help us to live like we do. To walk like we do. To live like you desire to use us mightily and wondrously. Because you do. Minister to the needs represented here tonight. Heal those that need healing, I pray. Let your name be glorified in our lives. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless all of you. Thank you so very much for your kind attention. You are dismissed. This Sunday, do not forget, 10 o'clock.